You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Scott Galloway, NYU professor, best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and the host of the Prop G Markets podcast. For nearly two years, Prop G Markets has brought listeners unfiltered analysis on high-flying stocks, burgeoning sectors, stupid acquisitions, and master of the universe CEOs. Starting May 20th, Prop G Markets is launching a new feed with two episodes per week. What a thrill! The good news? I know how to get your rich. The answer? It's on Prop G Markets. Don't miss out. Listen and subscribe to Prop G Markets wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right. Well, Fight Island was officially christened tonight for the UFC in Abu Dhabi. There was no baptism to be had in the main event of UFC 251. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the official UFC 251 post-fight show here on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck on location this week from Boston, Massachusetts, visiting the the parents this weekend. That is Jose Youngs. Jose, main event, Kamara Usman retains the welterweight title against Jorge Mazadal. Challenger looked pretty darn good in that first round. I'm pretty surprised that two judges gave Usman that first round, but... It was the much fresher champion that was able to sort of chip away at the always game Jorge Mazadal throughout the fight, right? You say fresher champion, but Kamaru Usman was basically been in camp since the beginning of this year. This fight was like been booked and booked and booked. He was supposed to fight earlier. He was supposed to fight Gilbert Burns, and all of a sudden Jorge Mazadal steps in. So yes, he he's technically fresher because he he's had the full camp and everything. But I think Kamaru Usman wasn't a hundred percent in that fight either, considering this long extended fight camp he had, a la similar to Tony Ferguson with all these 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 fights falling apart. But Kamaru Usman won nonetheless. Might not have been the most exciting fight. I saw a couple of tweets complaining about the fight and i really take that uh I, I felt it was a lot of fans that were on this Jorge Masvidal hype train he's on the video game cover he's on this baptism run the resurrection uh super necessary punches bmf title this and that and they were expecting violence even my i, I myself said uh, a fight between Usman and Masvidal probably has a higher chance of ending in a violent way but it did not uh Kamar Usman won uh, i had him winning all five rounds uh the first round i guess it didn't really matter to me who won that uh, i still Kamar Usman won at least four of the rounds comfortably uh the the people are complaining about the foot stomps the wrestling the headbutts uh, all that stuff but Kamar Usman did what he had to do to win that's exactly the type of fight i thought he would uh take to Hori Masvidal because for all the talk about Hori Masvidal taking this fight on short notice, Kamaru Usman also took this fight on short short notice. I mean, it's an extru- a completely different fighter uh, between Gilbert Burns and Hori Masvidal. That's completely rechanged. Left his camp, uh, had his new first, Trevor Whitman in his corner for the first time, fighting the BMF guy. All this bad blood is in the air. All the pressure's on him to perform. Uh, like we ourselves said, all the pressure's on Usman. Not, not, a, not a whole lot on Masvidal. But at the end of the day, Usman did what he had to do. I didn't have a problem with the way he fought. Uh, it might not have been the most exciting, but if I was going to uh, pick a bar- predict a way Usman would pull this off, this is exactly how I thought he would do it. 
Yeah, when you get a fight like this and you have a guy as hot as Mazadov, that brings in a lot of the casual fan base that doesn't sure. watch, you know, as much as my, many events as we watch and some of the hardcore fans that watch everything. So most people expected this fight to go exactly that way. I thought the first round was going to be the most interesting round, obviously, because if mm -hmm. Mazadal was going to get it done, he's probably going to have to do it in the first five minutes. And this is the fight we got. Like, Kamar Usman defends his title for the second time. It was another classic Usman-like performance. And he gets a one-sided win in, in a highly anticipated main event. So in the end, we, we like to talk about like the overall letter grade, but it felt like just kind of looking at the time slot when we're all said and done as we were getting ready to hit record here, we were just like, man, this is, this is super late. Like, I feel like the card kind of, and the whole night in a weird way went kind of slow. Did it not? I think it started off really, really quickly. Uh, it might've just been on my part. Like I feel like the first few flew by uh, and all of a sudden I had been watching fights for two and a half, three hours. I'm like, Oh wow, this fight is, this fight card's going quickly. I like this pace. And then we hit the main card and Amanda Hebos comes in, uh, and just submits Paige Van Zandt immediately, uh, which went exactly as I expected to do. But then there was decision with Rose and Andrade. And then even Jan Aldo ends in a finish, but it was in the fifth round. So they still basically fought for 25 minutes. And then we get 25 minutes of Volkanovski Holloway. And then we get 25 minutes of Usman and Masvidal. So, uh, of, of these, we, we've seen we saw that graphic on the screen like uh, all of the the UFC cards are three title fights and like we had the UFC 214 had like Woodley and Maya and Jones and Cormier and Cyborg Avenger and then 217 205 like those had some bangers like like two 217 had three epic fights three like violent like th just three of the craziest finishes you'll see uh, and then of course, 205, the Conor McGregor show, and then 217 had the DC uh, Jones tri trilogy. So I think we were a little maybe uh, well, well spoiled on these three these three title fight cars where we're expecting something like that. And I loved all like all great fights, all spectacular fights. But I think a lot of fans that were tuning in to see Fight Island and the Masvidal train and all these title fights might have been uh, a little. I can I could see why they might have been a little disappointed. I didn't have a problem with it, but uh, probably wasn't the night Dana White wanted in terms of finishes. Yeah, the main event may have disappointed some people, but for meritocracy's sake, this is like the best thing that could have happened for the welterweight division. Like if you're Gilbert yeah. Burns, if you're Leon Edwards, these two guys are pretty happy right now, especially Gilbert Burns. 100%. I mean, we we said it on, I can't remember if it was on What the Heck or or a post-fight show or preview show, whatever. They kind of all kind of blend together at this point uh, in the summer. But we we said if Masvidal wins, that is going to be a problem for the UFC's pockets, uh, the welterweight division. I mean, we were talking about him fighting, bringing the both belts to the, the Conor McGregor uh, uh, the table and all this. But Kamara Usman won, uh, and it's 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 a no brainer that Gilbert Byrne gets the rematch. He's supposed to, he should have been fighting tonight uh, before COVID nineteen. Uh, he caught COVID nineteen and had to pull out the card. So yeah, for the welterweight division and uh, the 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 martial art uh, fans of the world that don't like quote unquote skipping the line or holding up the divisions, I think it's a good thing. But uh, I honestly I love chaos. If Masvidal had won, <laughs> I think I think I think it would have been a fun time in the world of MMA. And Mazadal, let's be clear, we all know this. He was the A-side heading into this fight. He's the reason there was a lot of buzz and a lot of fanfare. When you add a guy like Gamebred and the streak that he's on, that's what happens. But a lot of people want to know where he goes from here because despite losing the fight tonight, he still has a ton of options moving forward. Chaos can still reign in some way, Jose. Can you say that again? You cut off for a quick second. Chaos can reign for, for Jorge Mazadal, oh, no yeah. doubt about it, because he's got so many options moving forward despite the loss tonight.
Yeah, I mean, Jorge Masvidal, I'm, Kamar Usman himself said it. Like, he's going to lose. He's like, Usman said it. He's like, he's going to lose. He's going to have all these, like, excuses built in. Took the fight on six days' notice. Flew across, across the country. Doesn't have his coach in the gym. COVID-19, this and that. So, like, I don't think, I think, of course, I think Masvidal obviously cooled. Anytime you lose, you cool a little bit. Unless you're Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz, and it's such an insane finish that they run it back, and you have another epic fight like that. But for Masvidal, you're obviously going to cool a little bit uh but he himself said let me get a couple more wins and they'll run it back i'm sure he want he would love to fight usman on a full camp uh but the colby covington fight is there i think that is going to drum up a whole lot of interest i think people might even be more interested in that fight and the dynamic between those two fighters than usman and masvidal i think that uh colby covington or masvidal's fight does not need a title on the line that's just two guys that hate each other, that want to break brick on each other's faces. Usman can fight Gilbert Burns. Leon Edwards is, of course, out there. Wonderboy Thompson's working his way up. Santiago Ponzinibbio, I think, has COVID, too, so he's somewhere out there. So the, the welterweight division will move, but for now, Masvidal, uh, law, of course, cooled, but he's still, the, I think, still the hottest commodity at 170 pounds. Yeah, I think Covington's the fight to make, but even the Leon Edwards fight, like no one talks about Leon Edwards versus Jorge Masvidal, but there's so much history there. But I understand why why Masvidal might be hesitant. It's not a huge money fight, but Colby would be massive. Uh, as we move ahead to the Colby main event, saw Alexander Volkanovsky retained his featherweight title in a very, very close fight. Max Holloway made some adjustments, some really good ones heading into the fight. You saw it throughout. Volkanovsky made his adjustments sort of in the middle of the fight. And in the end, Gets a split decision victory. And and look, there, there's no way you could call this a robbery, Jose. Like if no. Holloway got the nod, I wouldn't have been upset. Volkanovski getting it, that doesn't upset me either. What did you think of the featherweight title fight and, and how the decision went? Uh, I had Max winning. Uh, I can't remember the exact scores I had, uh, the exact rounds I had, but I had him winning. I thought I thought it was pretty obvious uh, Max won. It's not a robbery because at the end of it, I'm like, that was a really – really close fight the problem is in my mind max clearly won the first two i think that's obvious he, he won the first two i had a had a bunch of knockdowns uh but then when the the rounds that volkanovsky won which would be three four five i think on the judges scorecards i don't think he clearly won any of those i think in the fourth round i was looking at this i'm like max could be up 4-0 or it could be 2-2 like that's how close this is right now so max Max is in the situation where he gets all these knockdowns, clearly wins the first two, and then Volkanovski, I don't want to say skates by or steals or anything because they were, they were just razor thin. Those were 10, 9 rounds. Either round could have gone to them. Uh, he seemed to be going to the well a lot with those leg kicks, and uh, Holloway was making a lot of adjustments, as you said. I think in the first two rounds, he looked like a completely different fighter. Looks like the greatest featherweight of all time in there. And I thought after the first two rounds, I was like, Max is going to win this. Like it, it, He looks unbelievable in there. Uh, so... At, but at the end, Volkanovski pulled it out. I was doing Twitter reacts for the site. I tell you, Alexander Volkanovski's fellow fighters are not happy about that decision. And we could talk all we want about judges and scorecards and this, but if a fighter's watching it and the majority of fighters are complaining about it, uh, maybe they're just the most vocal and the ones that disagree or aren't saying anything. But the majority of the fighters I saw react completely disagree. Uh, they thought Volkanovski won at least three of those rounds, and I don't disagree with them. Uh, but Volkanovski won, and Max is now 0-2 against the champion. Uh, it's it's I don't, it's I don't a weird time to be a featherweight because you got a, a quote-unquote like this champion that's on the super long run that's looked uber impressive, beats Holloway twice, beats Aldo, and then now we can go out to these bigger fights, but you're always getting in the back of your mind like, yo, you lost, you lost that second fight to Holloway. It's, I wish it didn't go that way. 
So what do we do now? I mean, if if Holloway won, matchmaking would be much easier because you could yeah. just run Volkanovski back for the third time. But, you know, this is a tough fight. Maybe you turn Volko around at the end of the year. But there's so many questions we still need answered at 145 pounds. We got one coming up on Wednesday between Calvin Cater and Dan Ige. And then you got Korean Zombie. You got Brian Ortega. You got uh, Zabit Magomed Sharapov. You got Yair Rodriguez. There's so many questions that still need to be answered before we can even start talking about what's next for Volkanovski, right? Yeah, I think even Alexander Volkanovski himself said, like, you know, like Max deserves the title, but he was really hoping a lot of these uh, 145ers would fight each other and someone would really break away from the pack. Volkanovski was like that. Even Max Holloway was like that. Because when, remember when the 145-pound division was all tied up between, it seems like, Connor and Aldo, and even Frankie Edgar fought Aldo for the interim title, and then Max was just like, I'm just going to keep fighting, and I'm going to keep winning. And that's what Volkanovski did. He just kept fighting and fighting and fighting until you couldn't deny him a title fight. And that's what Ma- Alexander Volkanovski one max holloway just happened to be the next man up and he goes sure he deserves it i'll, ru- I'll run it back uh, i really i'm really interested in the ortega korean zombie fight i think that would make sense uh for a w- the, the next title shot uh, depending on like of course cater Ige, i think could maybe fight the winner of the bia rodriguez and all this stuff but again it's too soon to match make because like look what happened uh gilbert burns is supposed to fight tonight and that was what six days ago, seven days ago. I think it was like a week ago. We were we did a reaction show, and we were like, "This is worst case scenario. This is going to be awful for the welterweight division. What are we going to do?" So, a lot could make sense matchmaking wise down the road, but in 24 hours, a fight could fall out. I mean, I was talking to Alex K. Lee, who was trying to, who God bless him, he was trying to write Great Divide. And it seemed like every time he had a, he he finally wrote it, a fight would fall out. And then you say, all right, I'm going to replace it with this fight. And then another, the fight is rebooked. So then he has to rewrite it. So who knows? With it? Like, there's, we can talk about what we want, all we want. But until the world is at least stable, it's, it's an impossible task. Yeah, we may not have clarity, but it's still a pretty good problem to have. At the UFC, you have so many contenders. But first of three title fights, we have Piotr Jan finishing Jose Aldo in the fifth round. And I feel like, Jose, it's one of those fights where – Jan is going to be praised for the way he performed tonight, especially down the stretch, but not as much as she should be because the focus goes to Leon Roberts for letting that fight go on for far too long. So first off, and I don't want to take the shine off of Jan because he looked phenomenal tonight, but that was way too late of a stoppage, like way too late. Yeah, I think we talk about giving like in title fights, you want to give the the the, the fighter like we want you want to give them the benefit of the doubt when they're down there like the it all came like dominic cruz of course uh the key what, what was key, what i can't remember the rest of the name but he was all he was complaining about the referee smelling like beer and cigarettes and cruz, yeah. uh, didn't and he did this was dominic cruz of course UFC <laughs> keith, peterson. keith peterson just complaining that he wasn't giving him the opportunity to to step in there but then also late like two fights later or like a fight later we see uh the referee stop uh, the fight between uh, Gaethje and Ferguson, and we all like that was a great move. That was an unbelievable move. This and that, and then we see this, and it's the exact opposite. Like Jose Aldo was in the fight for the first three rounds. I even was like, wow, Jose Aldo. Like I, I think somewhere in the third round, it really looks like Jose. We we talked about this on the A side, like the difference between like experience and like youth, and it really looks like Aldo's experience was just like turning the corner. Like in that second round, 
he went he went to the leg kicks and it was working. It was working so well. And then in the third round, it started to look like he was going to the body a lot more. And I was like, the Aldo just he turned the corner now. And then Jan was just like, absolutely not. I'm just gonna run through this guy. I'm gonna make adjustment too. I'm gonna switch stances. I'm gonna do this and that. I'm gonna start going to the body and then uh, jump on top of him. Use his head as a as a basketball and. I think I don't know how many it took, but that fight could have been stopped maybe 60 or 90 seconds sooner, and it, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So yeah, awful, not terrible. Like agreed, Aldo should. It was a good stop. It was a good quote stoppage. Just came way too late. Yeah, like unless you're Matt Brown, who thinks the referee was doing a good job, which I don't agree with. Yeah, it was like 35 shots too many. But yeah. and it was it's crazy because the fight, Jan almost got the fight stopped in the first round. Like yeah. Aldo is tough as nails, but Piotr Jan looked great. Game plan seemed pretty apparent. Keep Aldo sort of guessing early and then just begin the process of wearing him down a bit and then turn up the volume. By the fourth round, this was all Piotr Jan. What did you think, A, of the fight itself? Because I thought it was probably the best of the three title fights Definitely, and 100%. the performance of the new champion overall. 100% the best performance of the, of, of the three, Piotr Jan. Uh, like the first two, three rounds was, I was like, this fight absolutely rules. Like this is just high level Muay Thai striking. Like both of them are really light on their front toes and they were heavy on their back and they were switching stances. Like Aldo's going to the body and the legs. Uh, Piotr Jan would, would switch stances and then like slap that jab down the middle. It was, I absolutely loved that fight. And then, at the, but then Piotr Jan just pulled away. He just put his foot on the gas and just didn't allow Aldo to breathe and finished it. I, I mean, I picked Jan to win. I didn't think Aldo, I said Aldo's not going to get destroyed in there. I, didn't, I, 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 I thought it would be a lot closer than it was. It wasn't as close as I thought, but I think Aldo didn't look out like he did. He looked like he belonged in there. I, I get he didn't probably didn't deserve the title fight, but he, it was still a great fight of the three that, like you said, of the three title fights, that was the best. And I still think he beat Marlon Moraes. Uh, so I don't know what's next for Jose Aldo, uh, but the UFC has a star, Piotr Jan, especially if, if Habib doesn't want to fight anymore after the passing of his dad, which is completely understandable. Even Dana White said uh, he did, he's, they're going to leave him alone for a little bit. With Russia not being in the World Cup and Russia not being in the Olympics, they are dead. And of course, those things aren't happening right now anyway during the pandemic, but they, they weren't going to be in those anyway because of uh, an anti-doping violation. Russia is in desperate need of sports stars. And if the UFC is the only sport in town going right now, and Habib is obviously the biggest star in the in the world over there. And if he hangs it up, and the, they have another champion, Piotr Jan, who's who's right there, ready to take the reins, who has an exciting style uh, in a very stacked division, I think the UFC could have an absolute superstar on their hand, especially if he learns like that broken English, uh, like Habib, because he's already has the humor of it. Like you can see it on Twitter, you can see it in his in his media days. If he can at least get his English down, the UFC has a, a gold mine on their hand with Piotr Jan. Yeah, if you go back uh, into the archives on the YouTube channel here, I interviewed Piotr Jan, and the mm. first couple answers that he gave me were were in English. Like, yeah. he did a pretty good job. He's definitely learning, getting better, and that's great for his star power as well. But there's no need to discuss who's next, Jose. It's yeah. Aljamain Sterling, and anything else would be an absolute travesty. I don't even – There's we're not even going to come up with possible scenarios because that's not going to happen. I mean, Dana White said he's next. Even Jose Aldo in the media day, he's like, I'm obviously focused on Piotr Jan, but I understand – if I beat Piotr Jan, Alzheimer Sterling is next. Like it's a, it's it's so clear. It's like of all of these title fights that have happened. Like if the UFC decides no, we're gonna do Usman versus Leon Edwards, I wouldn't be surprised. And I also wouldn't complain because I think Leon Edwards also deserves a rematch. He deserved his rematch against Kamaru Usman a long time ago. If the UFC gives, if he if they give anyone else to Piotr Jan for whatever reason, 
it's just throw the rankings out the door. Throw everything out the door because, like, yes, Cody Garbrandt called him out. He has the beef with Sugar Sean. Uh, there's all these other band members. It's Aljamain Sterling. That's the, we're not even going to pretend there's a possible scenario after that. What if Cejudo says, you know what? No, there's none. I'm hungry. There's <laughs> no no way. Never going to happen. It's pure. <laughs> I don't think Henry Cejudo wants to fight 135. I don't think he wants to fight Piotr Jan. I think he already tweeted he wants to fight Alexander Volkanovsky. That would be the only one uh, he would come back for. So I'm not even going to add Henry Cejudo to that name. It is uh, Piotr Jan, Alexander Sterling is next, and I cannot wait. Yeah, that's, that's the fight. I, I'm playing a little bit of a devil's advocate here, but... Going further down the main card, Rose Namajunas, Jessica Andrade, they had an incredible battle for 15 minutes. Andrade took over in that third round, but Rose looked great tonight. And, and I'll be honest, I was a little nervous for Rose because she said some pretty alarming things over the last few months, you know, talking about her mental state, her career path, et cetera. Said she, she wants to be the world's greatest farmer now as opposed to the world's greatest fighter. But she looked pretty darn good tonight and got a nice win and, and was able to avenge a loss. I wish that fight was – I wish there were two scenarios, that, uh, two things that were added to that. I wish it was five rounds, and I wish it was a small cage. If it's in a small cage and that's five rounds, I think that's a completely different fight from both women. I think the small cage would obviously help Jessica Andrade. I think she was starting to pick it up a little bit, especially with all the damage to Rose's face. If it's a smaller cage in five and, it's five, and she gets t- ten more minutes after that, I think Jessica Andrade could have pulled that out. It was it – was, it, it reminded me of the Valentina Amanda Nunes, the first fight, where right at the end of that third round, like halfway through the third round, you see Andrade start to pull the corner and do a lot of damage. Rose is starting to show signs of, wearing, of like blood and cuts on her face. I wish that I wish they had run it back within five rounds and in, in in the apex, but I get why they didn't. They want to stack this card uh, now, but again, they can do that down the road if if Rose Nunes faces Zhang Wiley next and she somehow wins. Uh, I would not mind seeing Andrade Rose in, in the apex for the title five rounds. But again, that's so far down the line. Awesome fight from Rose. She got back in the win column. I, and we, we talk about all of the all the concerning things she said uh, leading up to this fight. But she's a professional because remember, she was on that bus that Conor McGregor attacked. Uh, she, she, of course, was not mentally the same after that. But she's what did she do like two days later? She went out there and had one of the best performances of her life. So uh, she knows when when to when to fight and how to fight. Uh, she was beating Andrade the first time before she just got dropped on her skull and got knocked dead. So uh, she, for all we know, she could be two zero against Andrade if that doesn't happen. So, uh, but Rose is a professional, awesome win. I think again the the, the no brainer fight for me, unless Tatiana Suarez miraculously recovers and gets thrown into the title contention, I think it's Rose uh, Zhang Wali. And I also think the UFC really wants that fight because those are two of their most marketable stars uh, at 115 pounds. Well, here's the thing, back to Devil's Advocate, because sure. Rose clearly banged up after that fight, could be a broken orbital. We don't know like the sure. exact you know, extent of everything, but she wasn't at the, the post-fight media scrum or anything like that. And you could certainly make the argument that she could fight for the belts against Zhang Wei Li next, and I would not hate that at all. But she could be out for a little while after that fight. And like you said, we also don't know the health status of one Tatiana Suarez. So the question is, do we try to get Wei Li in there as as soon as possible. Like if she's ready to go in a couple months, like get her a fight. Even if you rematch Joanna or something, people aren't going to complain about that. Or do you just hold Zhang Wei Li off until Rose is ready to fight and just book that one? 
Well, I think that's ultimately up to the champion. I mean, of course, she, she, you, you remember all the the ordeals she had to go through just to fight Yoanning and Jacek. I mean, this was right when the coronavirus was about to hit, was hitting China like worse than ever. Uh, so if she want, if she's spending time at home and doesn't want want to travel uh, to any of these countries that are being hit hard, uh, I wouldn't blame her. So. Ultimately, it's up to her. I don't know who else. Like again, if she can run it back with Joanna. I wouldn't hate it. I think that's one of the best uh, title fights I've ever seen. Rose makes sense. Tatiana makes sense. Nina Ansarov is having a baby, so she's out the window. And then who's next? Claudia, Carla. So I like. You want to give her Carla or Claudia next? Like, I mean, Carla's fighting Marina Rodriguez in like what a couple days, like a week or so. So Claudia. she's like the Claudia has a fight booked already. So. Who's next? Like, who who really knows at the end of the day? Like, even if you play process of elimination, you have to go really far down the rankings list to find Zhang Wiley a title, uh, an opponent for a next title defense. So I think it has to be Rose, unless Tatiana Suarez uh, recovers. But even then, I'd give her a tune-up fight before tossing her in there against a savage like uh, the the champion. So I think it's got to be Rose. You you just maybe hold uh, Zhang Wiley until Rose 100% recovers. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, great win for Amanda Hebus tonight. Kick it off the main card. Submits Paige Van Zandt in the first round. She's got a very bright, bright future for herself at 115 pounds. Her personality is absolutely infectious as well. <laughs> Paige Van Zandt seems to be uh, getting ready to dance off to Bellator. As you know, even if she won this fight, we probably would have expected that anyways. But I mean, if you're ever having a bad day, Jose, and I think you could attest to this, just go back and watch the virtual media day scrum with Amanda Hebas, and it's just going to put a smile on all of our faces. Yeah, it was a very big clash of uh, emotion, like the emotions both fighters brought to their media days. Because like Paige wasn't even at the normal media days. She like did her own on her phone, like separate, like she didn't have the normal backdrop and everything. And she just seemed like she wanted to get that over with and then just go in and fight. But Amanda Hebas was taking advantage of everything. Like the cameras were there, even on the, when you, at the beginning, when they're doing like, uh, they're playing the who and everyone is all excited. They're getting hyped up and they show the fighters like hyping up the fight. Like Amanda is just laughing. She's just having a good time. She's taking advantage of the cameras on there. So, uh, yeah, uh, unbelievable performance though. Uh, she is a dangerous woman. We're talking about people like she's this fight was a flyweight, obviously, but she wants to drop it, drop back down to strawway. She wins one, maybe two more against game opponents. I can't imagine the UFC is not going to want to give her a title fight, too, because, again, marketable star, affects personality uh, from Brazil, speaks great English, uh, checks all the boxes they want on a title uh, challenger or champion. And, uh, yeah, I would love that fight. But again, not. Not it, not close yet. Uh, amazing performance. It went exactly how I thought it would. So yeah, the UFC has another bright star on their hands. Yeah, keep building her up slowly. No need to yeah. rush her into top five opponents or anything like that. I think like maybe the Angela Hill versus Michelle Waterson loser. I think that makes perfect sense for her. Unless maybe. like yeah, I'm like Felice Harris comes back. I think she's sitting there 15, 16. Uh, maybe the winner of Marina, like Marina Rodriguez wins. You could give Amanda Hebas that fight. And I, they, I know they kind of or Tisha Torres coming off that big win. There's a lot of uh, important fights at strawweight. But again, yeah, Amanda Hebas isn't near the title uh, picture yet. Uh, but maybe in 12 months, maybe. Some great performances on the prelims, but man, Yuri Prohashka oh stole the show with <laughs> just such a sick knockout of, of Volkan Ozdemir. I'm not going to lie, Jose. I I thought this was too much for, for, for Yuri to no kick way. off his UFC career, but man, that crazy monster proved me wrong in a big way tonight, and I'm, and I'm proud to admit that. I knew 
someone was going to bed in that fight. I just didn't know who. I don't. I. It wasn't because Jared Prochaska was going to be overpowered by Volkanovski, but he's a wild man. He's just an insane guy. Like he wants to go out there. Uh, he himself he doesn't like to hurt people. He likes to fight and he wants to get to the title, but he doesn't like to hurt people. So I was expecting this to fight to end, like because people forget. Like people talk about like Vulcan, like his Ratchet fight and his. Uh, all these other fights that like the Anthony Smith fight that like they were all these like quote unquote like squeak wins or something like that. But that dude dropped like what? Who'd he be like Misha Serkinov, Jimmy Manoa, like OSP. Like he's he, he's he has dynamite in his hand. So someone was going to bed in that fight. Jura Prohaska just decided that get after the first round, he just didn't want to fight anymore and just punched and ate. Vulcan Ozdemir's soul. He just wanted it over with. So, but yeah, uh, talk about one of the great UFC debuts. That's got to be up there for like Gaethje had an unbelievable debut. Anderson Silva had an unbelievable debut. I'm just, these are all just random ones I'm thinking off the top of my head. Alistair Overeem, of course. Europe Prohaska, I mean, can't really have a much better performance than that against a former title challenger. Did he miss the mark with the call out though? Johnny Walker? I don't know, man. Mm, I thought he was going mean, to aim a little higher. I mean, it's a fun fight. I'm not going to not watch that fight. Uh, Sure. I mean, I'm all, I, again, I'm, I'll watch it. But again, we were, he wants a quick way to the title. When's John Jones even going to fight? Like, that's a question we need answered if he's going to fight. I know uh, what well, Glover's going to fight Tiago Santos soon. If John doesn't want to fight and Dominic Reyes fights Jan Blachowicz. Man, I, Corey Anderson maybe would have been a better call out. So, but yeah, I'm sure I'll watch it, but I don't think that's a step to, towards the title like he thinks. Yeah, he could fight anybody right now. He's kind of at that he could fight a door status, and we're going to watch sure. it anyways after a performance like that. Uh, nice finish for Davey Grant sure. with a broken jaw. That was yeah. impressive. Makwan Amir Khani had a great submission as well. Put uh, his opponent, Danny Henry, to sleep. But I, I want to shout you out, Jose, because I think, in my opinion, you had the best tweet of the night during the, the Marcin Tybura <laughs> fight. You said, what is the opposite of a slugfest? A chair? This fight is a chair. Want to yeah. explain yourself? Because that was brilliant. Man, <laughs> heavyweight MMA is so weird. You're going to have just violence. Like every now and then you get like this epic, like high level martial arts fight. And you get those at the top. Like you get the, the Stipe's and the Cormier's or like the JDS's and the Cain Velasquez. But somewhere in like that five to 15 range, one of two things is going to happen. Someone's going to bed. Or it's gonna be 15 minutes of just holding or like like heavy grappling, breathing heavy. Not a bad. I'm not. I don't like calling fights bad fights because a win is a win, and if you win, you get the rest of your paycheck, and that should be the most important thing. So I'm not even gonna remotely start to criticize Marcin Tibera for fighting for the rest of his check during a pandemic. But uh, probably wasn't the fight that uh, people wanted from heavyweights, especially uh, go. Uh, that was the featured early prelim, right? Like that was going into the ESPN card. Like, come on. I know Dana White was probably upset. Then he calls out Alexio Linick, and I was like, nah, not what I want. So yeah, but again, yeah, what's the opposite? But what's the opposite of like a barn burner? What's the opposite of like a war? And I was like, I don't know. And I just look around I'm like that chair is just kind of sitting there. So yeah, <laughs> the opposite of the fight I'm watching right now is this wooden chair sitting next to me. Cause it's not doing anything. Uh, it was a brilliant tweet. It was a brilliant tweet. Uh, and, uh, a pretty interesting night at UFC 251. The the debut of Fight Island. I thought everything looked pretty cool. Bruce Buffer looked A plus dapper tonight, which was great. Annex mustache was an A plus plus, and uh, Michael Bisping he did okay. He did okay tonight. Uh, Michael Bisping best. was really missing Paul Felder. 
I'll say <laughs> yeah. that much. I'll say that much. But uh, I don't know how he had time to tweet at Dan Henderson and call fights. Very okay. Very okay. I'll give C minus uh, to Michael Bisping. Openly, basically openly rooting for Max Holloway during the fight. So very odd. But I think, like, looking back to, like, the last few pay-per-views, was this better? So dating back to UFC, I'll say UFC 240 was Holloway Edgar. Between then and now, was this better than any of those pay-per-views? So 241 was DC Stipe, two. 242 was Habib Poirier. 243 was uh, Whitaker Adesanya. 44 was BMF. 245 was Colby Covington Usman with all those titles. Then we had the McGregor Cowboy Show. And then we had Yoan. And then we had the the uh, Valentina Jones Reyes uh, uh, fight in Houston. And then we had Izzy Romero. But then we also had Yoana and Zhang Wiley in the co-main event. And then we had 249, which was Bananas in Jacksonville. And then 250, which we all agreed was one of the better fight cards at the Apex. From between 240 and now, I don't know if 251 in terms of action was better than any of those fights. I said it was a great card, but I think you have to go all the way back to 240 to really compare something that was on that level, which was, again, a great card. That was Chris Cyborg's last fight in the UFC, but wasn't the most stacked card. I would agree with you. But I, again, devil's advocate seems to be sure. the theme here. Those other cards, I mean, M- McGregor coming back was huge, fighting Cowboy, but we kind of expected it to be a showcase fight for Connor, and, mm-hmm. and it delivered in that way. But most of these other cards, like we were like, yeah, these are pretty cool, but we're in such strange times that the expectations weren't quite as high as this one was, I, at least in, in my view. It was, but 249 had, what, just as many title fights, was stacked. It was like the first, it was really the first card during the, like, yes, we had that Brasilia card, but they were that was still in Brasilia. This was really the first, two, I really used 249 as like the first pandemic card. And that had like insane finishes, insane fights, like top to bottom. It was like uncharted territory. And then the Apex card was awesome too. So again, great card. I'm not saying this is a bad card whatsoever. Right. But I think you like even 240 was good. It just I think they were on that level. And then even 239 and 238 and 237, 236. Like you could go back all the way to January 28, like the the first ESPN card. You compare it to that too. So, but good card, but I wouldn't say it was one of the, Dana White, I'll put it in this perspective. Dana White called UFC 240 on a home run in terms of like everything that happened. I think it was great that this card happened on a fight island and it happened. And uh, it, it, we got all the title fights that we were promised outside of the Burns one. But again, I think fans are more happy to see Moswell fight to begin with. But in terms of what happened inside the octagon, I bet Dana White wished a lot. I bet he wished on some of these fights uh, were maybe had a little bit more, more to it in the, in the actual fight. Yeah, I mean, the main event, it was like we, we knew it was going to happen. But we hoped sure. it wouldn't, I guess. But the other two title fights are great. I just think like the length of the night kind of packed, you know, mm-hmm. factored into things as I well. Agree. But it was a really good card. And, you know, they're fighting at six, seven o'clock in the morning local time, too. It's also what, like 98 degrees at two in the morning. Yeah. So, oh, so a lot more wild circumstances in the Vegas cards and the Jacksonville cards. But we get to do this all again on Wednesday nights with a great main event. Awesome. Calvin Cater versus Dan Ige, big featherweight bow. We got Jimmy Rivera versus Cody Stamen on that card as well, which will be a lot of fun. I did talk to Cody Stamen uh, late last week, so you could check that out on YouTube pretty soon as we head into that fight. But uh, Jose, before we wrap this thing up, any final thoughts on UFC 251 and or in the look ahead to Wednesday night? 
Man, I just got to give a shout out to Guillerme over in Abu Dhabi. He's really putting in, like, yeah, I want, he he gave us that that tour of like the octagon on the beach, and I'm like, I'm sweaty watching this. <laughs> like, he's sitting, in, he's been he's been quarantined for like 56 hours. He's getting food delivered to him because he can't leave. It's a thousand degrees. It's basically walking on the sun if the sun was underwater, where it's basically like you're swimming through 90 degree air. So shout out to Guillerme for putting in the work. Uh, the tech, the Wi-Fi, and the internet might be terrible over there, but he's working his way through everything so shout out to Guillerme stay safe over there absolutely the Brazilian beast making it happen he's going to be there throughout the rest of these cards so look forward to his coverage and all the different and unique perspectives that he will give and different videos he will produce as well but uh but that's it I gotta get ready to I gotta put my golf shirt on I'm getting ready to go leave the house to go play golf with my dad in like two in hours and change right now. So I'm probably going to shoot like a 125. But for Jose Youngs, I am Mike Heck. UFC 251 is in the books. The bow is officially placed on. Have a good rest of the weekend, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.